Chapter Two of Pocket Island. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Pocket Island by Charles Clark Munn. Chapter Two, The Sea Fox. While Neil Dow and his associates were conducting an organized crusade against the sale of liquor in Maine and that fruitless legislation known as the Maine Law was being enforced, there entered a small coast port in that state one day a sloop called the Sea Fox, manned by a white man, an Indian, and a dog. The white man had sinister black eyes. The Indian was tall and swarthy. He and the dog remained on board the sloop. The Jew, or as he called himself, Captain Wolf, came ashore. He declared himself to be a small coast trader in search of choice lots of fish, and incidentally having for sale clothing, tobacco, and various small wares. He lounged about the wharves and buildings devoted to curing fish, talking fish and fishing to all. He seemed to be in search of information, and appeared ready and willing to buy small and choice lots of cured fish at a low price also to sell the assortment of wares he carried. He invited prospective buyers to visit his sloop, and exerted himself to interest them. While he seemed anxious to sell, he made no sales, and though willing to buy, he bought nothing. He was in no hurry. He just ran in to look the market over and see if there was a chance to buy at a price that would enable him to make a fair profit. If not, he might come again, or maybe he could do better elsewhere. His mission appeared innocent and natural enough, and he and his small craft were duly accepted for what they appeared to be. Had any one, however, examined the dozen or so kits of mackerel which appeared as part of his cargo, they would have found not fish, but a species of bait oft-times used by fishermen and could they have read between the lines of Captain Wolf's innocent inquiries, they would have learned that fishing information was the thing he cared least about. Though Wolf talked trade, but did no trading, was anxious to buy and bought not, willing to sell and sold not, it need not be inferred he transacted no business. Had any of these coast residents been blessed with the occult ability to see beyond the apparent facts and to overhear, they might have learned of certain hard, if illegal, bargains made between Wolf and one or more of their number, and they might have witnessed late at night various mysterious movements of a small boat passing from shore to the sloop empty and returning laden with apparently harmless kits of fish. Had these good people been still more watchful, they would have seen the sea fox spread her sails and depart before dawn. Whence Wolf came, no one knew. Whither he went, no one guessed. Like a strange bird of prey, like a fox at night, he stole into port on occasions wide apart and unexpected, and as mysteriously went his way. The coast of Maine was particularly well adapted to aid Captain Wolf in his peculiar enterprise. The great tide of summer travel had not then started, and its countless bays, coves, and inlets were unmolested. 
Wherever a safe harbor occurred, a small village had clustered about it, and the larger islands only were inhabited. The residents of these hamlets were mainly engaged in fishing or coasting, and of a guileless nature. They were honest themselves, and not easy to suspect dishonesty in others. Into these ports Wolf could sail unsuspected, and, like the cunning fox he was, easily duped them by his role of innocent trader till he found someone as unscrupulous as he, who was willing to take the chance and share his illegal profit. While he played his role of fox by day and smuggled by night, it was not without risk. The crusaders against the liquor traffic had an organized force of spies and reformers. In every town there was one or more, and as the reformers received half of all fines or value of liquor seized, it may be seen that the sea fox had enemies. No one knew it any better than Wolf, and like the human fox he was, no one was any more capable of guarding against them. Well skilled in the most adroit kind of deception, in comparison to his enemies, he was as the fox is to the rabbit, the hawk to the chicken. Frequently he would set traps for his pursuers, and, giving them apparent reason for suspicion, would thus invite a search. On these occasions, it is needless to say, no liquor was found on board the sea fox. To discover his enemies by the method of inviting pursuit and then doubling on his track, as Reynard does, was child's play to him. In each town he had an accomplice who dare not, if he would, betray him. Captain Wolf was also a miser. He loved gold as none but misers do. To him it was wife, child, and heaven all in one, and its chink as he counted it was the sweetest of music. For four years he played his role and continually reaped rich reward, and then he resolved to quit. But, true to his nature, before doing so he decided to play the hyena. He had for all these years cheated the law. Now he planned to cheat those who aided him. To this end he set a trap. When a fox sets a trap, he sets it well. Wolf began by circulating an alluring story of a chance to share in the distribution of a large cargo of contraband spirits, provided those who could so share would buy a pro rata large amount at reduced price. Having thus set and baited his trap, he proceeded to spring it. He had, in his wanderings, obtained a formula for the manufacture of spurious brandy. All that was required was a few cheap chemicals and water. He purchased the former. On Pocket Island there was a spring that furnished the latter. Feeling sure that those whom he had duped would not dare to expose him, he yet acted cautiously and began his cheating at widely separated points. He had usually disposed of small lots at a time. He doubled and sometimes trebled these, and the hoard of silver and gold behind the rocking stone grew rapidly. Trip after trip he made to the various ports he had been accustomed to visit, never calling at the same one twice, and at each springing his well-set trap, pocketing his almost stolen money and disappearing, leaving behind him curses and threats of revenge. 
when all whom he could thus dupe were robbed by this wily Jew, and he had secured all the profit they, as his accomplices, had made, Captain Wolf and the Sea Fox sailed away to his unknown lair at Pocket Island, and were never heard of afterward. End of chapter 2 Recording by Roger Moline